The following podcast is a production of City View Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The following program is not ashamed of the gospel and is about to tell you the truth. One of the reasons I chose to run for school board is because I was watching parents be belittled and threatened and called domestic terrorists by our own federal government for standing up and saying, which is we don't care for these concepts to be taught in the classroom. Teach the basics and leave the moral values to us. By the way, this gender ideology and gender theory, this is not appropriate content to be discussing with our kindergartners or our middle schoolers even. There's no reason for a teacher, an English teacher, math teacher to be talking about sexuality in the classroom and to be parents just saying that we're being made out to be horrible people, domestic terrorists, bigots, the lies that are being told about me in my school board race simply because I don't want sexually explicit materials in my daughter's classroom are absolutely insane. We didn't ask for this culture war. That's right. The culture war was imposed upon us. Yeah. So for us to simply think that we can ignore the culture, that of course is wrong because the Bible does apply and we have to live our Christian life within the culture. One of the things that always interested me is the whole business of propaganda. Hitler believed that with the right use of propaganda, you can make heaven appear like hell and hell appear like heaven. Yeah. So the question is, how is language used today for the sake of propaganda? Let me give you two examples. One is to have speech codes in our universities. I quote a university that says, you know, you can't use the word freshman, you can't use this word, that word. And if there's a barber shop in your area, don't say that he takes in walk-ins because you might offend those who can't walk. Why are they doing that? Is it to elevate the discussion? No, it's to silence the discussion. You have no idea. Is it still okay to go into a restaurant and ask for a menu? Or should we also ask for a woman? Wow. You see what I mean? We wow. have no idea. A straightforward sentence might be wrong. You are pro-life. It means you hate women. If you believe in a strong border like I do, you're racist. If you disbelieve in same-sex marriage, you're a bigot. You disagree with me? see a therapist. What Hitler did is he used two emotions, fear and anger. You need an enemy to fight against. In his case, it was the Jews. But the same things that can destroy a nation in the past can destroy us too. And our culture is being eaten from within. Keeping our thinking challenged by God's truth is the focus of this podcast. We generate real answers from God's Word and from the practical application of that Word in everyday life. Thanks for joining us for the Thinking Out Loud podcast. Pastor Walt, we're back thinking out loud again today. And recently, our president gave a State of the Union, and I thought of your sermon the whole time he was speaking, at least part of the time he was speaking anyway, because of the institutions that he was talking about and the policies of our government. And I thought, that is something that seems to be influenced by the powers, the principalities and powers, because a lot of it wasn't true. Our own press said it wasn't true in some of the things that he was talking about. So we're facing institutional wickedness, evil that has been slowly coming into our society. And that's kind of what you addressed on Sunday. Tell us more. 
it's pretty clear from the Bible that these evil spirits, principalities, and powers have a strong influence over earthly governments. I use the example all the time of the Old Testament where it talks about the Prince of Persia or the Prince of Tyre, which is really just talking about the power behind the throne. We can see by the policies that are being instituted in our country, it's been going on for a long time, really just the idea of we, we've got to move beyond the idea of a Christian nation. We're a post-Christian nation becoming a pagan nation, and these powers, these principalities and powers are coming in, and they're really influencing earthly government. That Most of the evangelical world doesn't talk much about that, but it's biblical. And I also mentioned on Sunday in the sermon Paul didn't say, we might war. He said, we war. We are in a battle. We are in a war. And we war against principalities and powers. I had a young man in the church come to me about a year ago and said, he was praying against principalities and powers. And somebody said to him, don't do that, Jewel. You might stir up something that you can't handle in the, in the spirit realm. You might bite off more than you can chew. And I said, well, I just go back to the scripture right away. It says, we war against principalities and powers. Now, we don't, that doesn't become the focus of our life and the focus of our Christian life. What Paul is really talking about in spiritual warfare is the advancement of the gospel through love. That's how we war. But the reality is that we face an enemy out there, and that enemy is infiltrating our government. Well, and some Christians would say that it isn't our job to even be involved in anything like that. And, you know, and, and I respect that. But on the other hand, Jesus said to be as wise as serpents and as meek as doves. So what does it mean to be wise serpents? You know, when we're facing culture that's trying to squeeze out the gospel message. Now, here's my worry, that at some point, you as a pastor will not be able to talk about immorality in any form or shape because the government will say that's hate speech. Do you ever worry about that? I don't. <laughs> I, I'm not all that concerned about it. I'm a little more concerned about the, the generation coming up. They're going to have a major challenge in their faith. Although, just the, seeing how rapid things are happening in our culture, our government is investigating Twitter, banning people from Twitter for whatever they choose with a very left-leaning organization. The question is, how rapid is the decline happening? I think America is done. Some people don't agree with me. Wow. I think it's over. Okay. The the writing is on the wall. I can back that up biblically, and then we can talk about that in a, in a few minutes. But the one point about the subject of abortion or, or gay marriage or whatever it is, we're all in the battle, but some people are called to really get on the front lines of that. And not everybody in the church is going to be on the front lines. So we have to make sure that we don't as uh, someone uh, said to me before, we don't make our revelation somebody else's regulation. We have to do other things in the church. We have to evangelize. We have to teach. We have to pray. Some people are called to that front line. And I know there were a lot of Christians over at the Capitol in Minnesota. If you're listening around the world, we just instituted the most radical abortion laws in the entire country. And really, from what I told, in the world... I was talking with one of our guys who grew up in Germany, and he said in Europe, all over Europe, no country allows abortion after 12 weeks. What we're doing is barbaric. We're taking a, a baby that's born alive, and we're telling a doctor that they have an obligation to kill that baby if the abortion 
doesn't kill the baby in the womb. So the baby is born, you know, it's the born alive. Am I worried? I'm not because I'm not going to stop speaking out and I'm not going to worry about if I go to prison or whatever situation, if we lose our tax exempt status or whatever it is, or if we lose our building and all of these things are real possibilities. If you look at history, One of the things I appreciated about your sermon on Sunday, you gave us a lot of good spiritual understanding of Ephesians chapter 4, the first couple of verses there. And I really like that. You really fed our soul. But you didn't leave it there. You went into the practical application of what Scripture is asking the church to do. And then you mentioned what you just said about the radical abortion thing. So, are we a little too silent on issues like this? And I, I don't want to you know, undo what you just said about people having a specific call to that, but what about the church, the people sit in front of you every Sunday? Aren't they supposed to do something with their discipleship besides just coming to Sunday school? Yes. Part of the problem is that most churches, and I'm, I'm thinking of the big picture. I'm not talking about most evangelical churches. I talk to my friends that pastor and I talk to other friends that go to other churches and they say their pastors are speaking out on these issues. So that's encouraging. But the church as a whole, and we know that there's even a faction of the false church that's supporting and encouraging abortion. So it is happening, but it, it is the main responsibility of the pastor to teach the people and to build within them a biblical worldview. And I'm afraid that's not happening as much as as we think. Was was it you that sent me the article about the the new research on the church itself, what the people believe about the Bible that's not in the Bible, and how few have a biblical worldview, like less than 50% believe that Jesus is divine according to the scripture. That's the fault of the pulpit, that they're not hearing that. And they're not hearing, as I said on Sunday morning, if you become a member of of the church where I pastor, you are signing on, it's in our constitution and bylaws that we are pro-life and that life begins at conception. And people will respond to that. One of the young men asked me a question, is City View gonna continue to grow as much as it's been growing? Or his worry was, are we gonna come to the point where people don't wanna hear the truth or are we gonna suffer persecution and then that just kind of cuts off the growth? And I sent him a couple of humorous but not humorous clips of some other preachers and things that they were they were preaching. And I said, if this kind of preaching keeps up, we're going to be a mega church in the next few years because mm-hmm. so many people are going to flock away from that kind of nonsense that's being preached in the pulpit. What we need is clarity, and that goes out to the congregation, and we form a worldview. And so when questions arise through social media or family, there's absolute clarity. This is the truth, and this is what the Bible says, and this is what God says. I was talking with somebody about City View the other day, and they said, why are they growing? He said, well, there's a lot of reasons. They, they have some good structure in place that are getting people on a clear path to discipleship. I said, Pastor Walt preaches the gospel, and I think a lot of people are coming because they're not hearing it in places that they've been. And, and I have to admit, Walt, and I just want to publicly say thank you for your clarity and your guts. I mean, what you said Sunday at the end of your sermon, you could have been jailed for. 
And I thought immediately, I'm sitting there going, start a bail bailout <laughs> fund for Pastor Walt because yeah. he's going to need it. But I here's something that I thought was really interesting. This comes from Governor Ron DeSantis from Florida. He said, we must fight the woke in our schools. We must fight the woke in our businesses. We must fight the woke in government agencies. More about and we that. must fight the woke in church. Well, that's right. And I think that unless we start pushing back as Christians, and I mean, we don't have to be mean about it, but we have to challenge the thinking because the thinking is influencing everything from schools to hospitals to you name it. Our institutions are in tough shape because they're being forced to think along this pattern. You know, I heard a report on the radio today that in the Baltimore public school system, not one child is proficient in math. Not one. It is an absolute, total, complete failure. Hmm. There are some spiritual things behind this. There are some demonic forces at work in our culture. Jesus said it, when you cast a demon out, and you don't replace that with something. Now, in this case, what we've done in our country is we've cast out, I call them the moral guardrails, the moral fences. And we've broken down all of those fences and we're falling into moral chaos and anything goes. Every day you hear something new. Now there's a new problem in law enforcement. There are predators online who are convincing young men to send pictures of themselves and then they use those to extort them. And they're talking about taking hundreds and thousands of dollars from young boys and, and taking advantage of them through extortion. Now, why does that kind of thing happen? It's because we have begun to approve and say there are no sexual barriers. You can cross over to, into anything. We don't tell 99% of young men in our culture, this is wrong. Pornography will destroy your life. I shudder to think of where we're going to be in the next five or 10 years, because again, it's just happening at such a rapid pace. You challenged leadership on Sunday, and you gave an example from the Old Testament, King Manasseh. It it sounds like someone like King Manasseh is in charge of America today, right? Tell us what you said about Manasseh, King Manasseh. So Manasseh started sacrificing his sons in the fire, which was a practice that the Israelites adopted from the surrounding nations. But God says, you got worse. That's what we don't realize is that God cast the Canaanites and the other people groups out of the land of Canaan. And in the end, his people actually become worse. And I was reading in Jeremiah and the God says at one point, I'm tired of relenting. I'm not going to relent anymore. I'm going to bring judgment for what you've done. So Manasseh is the most wicked king in history, sacrifices sons in the fire, encourages the people to sacrifice their children in the fire. And then his son comes in. He only lasts two years. His grandson, Josiah, comes in and he makes reforms. And God says, I'm not going to send judgment during your time, Josiah, but Israel has crossed the line. And I said before, I will not relent. And with this abortion issue, I believe that we have crossed the line. And that's why I predict the end of the United States. Wow, that's pretty strong. Have we gone past the point of no return? I mean, Noah's day did it. What did Jesus say? I will return when the conditions of the day are like Noah's. Well, what what was Noah's day like? Oh, it was just absolute chaos. God said, I regret 
that I made mankind. I'm feeling remorse about this. And it says that every single thought of mankind is for evil. You look at the Grammys the other night. Every single aspect of that was an affront to God. It was like just throwing it in God's mm-hmm. face, right. throwing it into the faces of the people of God. God isn't going to pass over that. The end result of this, and I've been asked this question before, well, if God judges nations for abortion, why doesn't he judge China or Russia, you know, especially the one-child policy in China? He has. They're under totalitarianism. Right. So God says, you want to be under the rule of man? You want to rule yourself? Here you go. Well, you told a story by a pastor friend that you meet with or have met with, and he goes overseas, does some teaching and, and preaching and so forth. And as you were telling that story, I thought, you know, talk about judgment. We don't have the stories that he told you in America because there were miracles. Give us a little bit of a glimpse of what he told you was happening that he experienced overseas. Well, we started out the conversation by talking about the fact that he and I are both charismatics. And he said, you know, I've been traveling all over the world. I'm going to unreached people groups. In this case, he was in northern Iraq. And he said, it is common for us to see signs and wonders, real miracles. And in this case, he met a couple from the church he was ministering to, and they were both radical Muslims. The husband became disillusioned, started to ask the question, why can't we have a relationship with God, a personal relationship? Why can't I talk directly to God? And he asked the imam that question, and the imam kicked him out of the mosque. So he went and began to search, and I think divinely, a book came across his path that led him to more interest in Jesus. In the back, there's a number. If you would like more information, text this number. He sends a text, gets a response back, sets up a meeting, chickens out of the meeting. The guy texts him back again, agrees to meet with him, and he becomes a Christian. His wife is angry. She's really furious. I'm a radical Muslim. I'm not converting to the Christian faith. Not long after that, their toddler son dies in the middle of the day, just stops breathing. And all of the neighbors come, the friends come, they're mourning, the child is there dead. And he remembers from the Bible that Jesus healed Jairus's daughter. So he takes his son, holds it up in prayer and says, God, can you heal my son the way you did in the Bible? He said when he brought the child down, he began to breathe, smile, and laugh. And everybody there was so struck by this miracle. The wife becomes a Christian. The only problem is she can't read because women aren't allowed to read. So she asks Jesus, she starts to fast and pray, will you give me the gift of reading? She fasts and prays for a long time, and she says, I am not going to give up Jesus until you give me the gift of reading. So When she's praying one day, she opens up her Bible, and she sees, wow, things are a little blurry. That's strange. I've never not looked at the Bible this way. Closes it again, prays, opens it. It starts to become more clear. She can see some words, closes it, and opens it a third time. She said, I am not going to give up until you give me this. A light comes down through the ceiling onto the Bible, and she can read every word perfectly. Now, either those people are lying, or Jesus Christ is alive, and he's performing miracles. And this is, this is a time when I believe that God wants to pour out his spirit on our nation. Christianity can grow and the United States die at the same time. 
You know, Pastor Walt, when you said that, I, I, I said, man, is that incredible. But I almost had in my heart unbelief. I'll just be honest. Well, come on. I've never seen that. I've been serving the Lord 50 years here in the United States. And so I got to thinking, well, maybe we are under judgment, the judgment of unbelief, that we just aren't willing to believe like this person did. And so then I'm reading through the Gospel of Mark, and it says there he went to Nazareth, and he couldn't do hardly any work at all, any miracles. And here's what it says. And Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. I mean, is that happening in America? Is that why we don't see those kinds of miracles? At least I haven't. Well, there are some well-known preachers that are stumbling over themselves to discount miracle signs and wonders. I don't understand what is so petrifying yeah. about this to us. One of the, the well-known ministers lists on their Things I've never seen before. It says, you know, people are talking about Jesus appearing to them on a walk or Jesus appearing to them disguised as a hippie. And I think I've never heard anybody in my charismatic Pentecostal circles to talk about anything like that. You can find whatever you want if you look online. I'm sure there are plenty of fanatical people out there. But we've had in particular a couple of words of prophetic words over our church the last couple of months. I believe the office of prophet is still alive and it's just inspirational and it brings people back to what the Old Testament does. That One of the prophetic words was the only thing that's really important right now is intimacy with Christ. All of the other things that we do for God are secondary and that's a, that so resonated with my heart because a city view we talk about the eight characteristics of a disciple, but the center of that is intimacy with Christ. If I can encourage anybody in these difficult times, it is get close to God. I met with a young minister in training just a couple of days ago, and he wanted to know how to preach. And I said, I can tell you some tips on preaching, but I'll tell you the main thing is you got to be in intimacy with Christ if you're going to be a preacher. You know this. You've been preaching for years. Mm -hmm. Preaching is your testimony it's who you are and and your walk with god and you can't take people where you where you haven't been this is a time for the church to grow close to jesus well i think anything god has for us we've got to grab a hold of it and get more <laughs> and get more and get more here's a verse i ran across when i was studying ecclesiastes it it, it addresses that whole idea of prophecy and everything that people say no longer exists uh solomon says i perceived that whatever God does endures forever and nothing can be added to it nor anything taken from it. So God doesn't give us gifts and go, oh, I don't think it's needed anymore. Let's take it out of here. We have got to realize that whatever God gives us, he uses it to build into the body of Christ so that our understanding of faith and understanding of God is complete. That's what Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 is all about. So as we bring this to a conclusion, I want to say thank you to a man of God who's got guts to say it like it is. So tell us what we need to know. Tell us like it is. Give us the last little penultimate. Encapsulate everything we've talked about today to inspire our audience. I'll give a word of encouragement. I believe there is something special about this particular generation. My hope and prayer and my belief is that we have a Josiah generation. We do have a generation that's going to hold off judgment. It's interesting because Daniel and his friends are taken off into captivity 
And these are powerful men of God. And you think, how did those men come out of this wicked nation? What was it? God always has a remnant. And I, I have a group of young people in my church, age 16 to 30, that are fasting and praying and seeking God like I haven't seen. We haven't had that breakthrough moment. You and I are Pentecostals. We know what that means. It's just like when the Holy Spirit comes down and there is just breakthrough. I want to give a word of encouragement. I am encouraged. I was just talking to our assistant pastor at City View the other day, and I said, every day I see how more important the church is because we have the answers. So everybody speak up. Everybody preach the truth. Well, pastor Walt, that's a good word, and I sure appreciate it. Especially when you come into the studio, we start thinking out loud. Appreciate it. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today, and please let us know your thoughts on our topic. We want to hear your feedback and your concerns as you think out loud. Please visit us at cvcmpls.org. That's cvcmpls.org.